when I mention to people that I'm a junior high pastor, a lot of times what happens is they get that initial like, oh, junior high, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and you get that like, oh, that's, that's a tough age. And I, I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I couldn't do that. That's just, I, I, nope. And the thing is, I love that age bracket. It's comical and, and just really fun to see how they grow up. They come into my group uh, out of the children's ministry uh, as fifth graders. They, they just graduated fifth grade. They come into my group as sixth graders, and they are absolutely children. They are children coming out of the children's ministry. And in that three years, they hit this, well, I mean, technically what is called is puberty, <laughs> but they become from, they, they go from being children and become young adults. And it's such a, such a radical difference, such a radical change. It's really exciting. But there are also some really funny stuff. And so I wanted to share a couple of things that I have actually had to say to junior hires on events that have actually happened. As far as I can remember, this is, this is pretty much what I've had to say. So um, first thing, please stop sucking on the back of that chair. Actual event, during the service, same kid, different service, but again, during the service, you're two knuckles deep, you're gonna hurt yourself, please pull your finger out of your nose. Another quote that I've actually had to say to another human being. Uh, another one, blow, up, blow that out, it's still on fire. That was a recent one. And then, probably my favorite one, dude, you can't throw rocks at a bald eagle. <laughs> the family may or may not have been here to hear that last one. No eagles were harmed. It's all good. He missed. Wasn't aiming at him, but still, you know, a conversation with a ranger. I had to have that conversation with the kids. So, you know, junior hires are wild. They're crazy. They're goofy. And I love it. Because again, you see this, this transformation from childhood to young adulthood. They, they go into my class just squirrely and like you can't get them to put their hand down and oh I gotta go to the bathroom oh what about this what about and it's just like oh hang on last service was the first time that I've actually gotten through an entire set of notes <laughs> because I didn't have somebody going oh, wait hang on wait stop it's like they're really fun and it's a radical reformation or change there's a bit of a bummer though and that's that when they start to become young adults and they start to kind of realize who they are in the Lord, they step into high school group. Now, Jason is a stellar high school pastor. And he does a fantastic job with the high schoolers. But I, I don't get to be part of that group that sees them really enter into a stage of maturity. Now, I know some of you guys are going like, oh, I don't know, high schoolers, that still doesn't seem very mature. Believe it or not, it's, it's intense. It's really cool to see what kind of maturity you see come out of high schoolers, spiritual maturity in, in the way that they walk and operate with the Lord. But I don't get to see that firsthand. I, I have to kind of watch it from a distance and, and see kids that I still love and care about grow up in a different group. Now, the thing is, it's not my role in the body. If I were to step on Jason's toes and say, step out of the way, I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna keep serving these kids, I'd be stepping on somebody else's toes and that's not appropriate. The Lord has called me to junior high ministry and I'm very blessed to be there. 
the Lord has called Jason to high school ministry, and he does a great job there. My role in the body is not to see them through high school. My job is to take care of them in junior high ministry. And that can be challenging, but at the same time, that's a lot of what we're talking about today. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can throw up your hand. The ushers are in the back. They can get you on. And if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be in verse 12 of chapter 12. says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body, And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body." The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts, to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Father, as we get into your word, as we start to dig in, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this chance to read your word. Thank you that we get to read it together, that we get to study it together and learn as a body how to better operate the way that you've called us to. So Lord, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give me the words to speak? We just give you this time now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, be seated, please. So just to give you a kind of a heads up, I'm going to be going through a handful of verses, and we're going to be going through, through them kind of quickly. So if you're the page warrior and you want to try to flip there back and forth as fast as you can, have at it. But this is going to be the main bulk of the text. So if you just want to kind of hang out right here, you're welcome to do that as well. I'm going to read all this stuff to you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be hanging out primarily. Verse 12 again, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now into verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ individually and members of it. Though there are many of us, there's there's lots of people in this church, and there's a service before you guys, there's a service after you guys, there's all kinds of people that come in and out of this church. Though we are many, and I mean, beyond that, there's churches all over meeting right now. Though we are many, we are one. 
we all create together one body, one organism that the Lord has placed together. Romans 12, verse uh, four and five reiterates the same thing. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of, uh, members one of another. So point number one in your outline, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Now, we're starting off with a very simple point. It, it's very straightforward. That's typically how I uh, teach in the junior high room is I'll start with a very simple point and then kind of move on from there. But it's a point that we can't neglect. Foundational principle. It's, it's one of the... One of the vision state, one of the parts of our vision statement here at the church, we live life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. So it's it's what we're living out here in the church, hopefully every single day. Simple point, yes, but there's a purpose why Christ has called us to be a body and didn't just save us and say, okay, great, you're saved. We you've been given my grace. Now go out, I'll be with you, and good luck. I'll be there, but you know, you're on your own. He, he hasn't called us to do that. Any of you guys ever had discrepancies with other people, ever? I mean, I, I know that's only a few of us, but some of us have discrepancies. And, and it might be at work, it might be at church. It, you know, who knows? You could be in your car driving, that happens a lot. it is a lot easier to operate life not having to deal with other people at times. There's a bumper sticker out that says, uh, the more people I meet, the more I like my dog. <laughs> I think a lot of us have been, had days where we've been there. But the Lord called us together to be a body. He didn't say, go out, good luck, Lone Ranger, do your own thing, and I'll be with you. He said, go out, I'll be with you, but don't, don't neglect the gathering of one another. And so we look to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day-to-day -day drawing near, as you see the day drawing near. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We are called to be a body. We are called to be joined together because we stir up one another to love and good works. We encourage one another. We sharpen one another. These are things that don't happen unless you are with a body of believers. Now, yes, get in your prayer closet, go have time with the Lord, absolutely, those are vital things, but also meet together. We don't just need to be a member alone, we need to be a body of Christ, stirring up one another, that's very simply just encouraging one another in love and good works to continue fighting the good fight, to continue doing the things that we need to be doing, to encourage one another. Gosh, I, I've been hanging out in the back before and you see people coming up and you know, oh man, rough day and 
hugs happen and all that kind of stuff. And we encourage one another. We love one another. But also sharpening one another. This one is a little bit more challenging in the body where you have somebody that you trust that you know and love and they come up and they say, you know, I really, I need to kind of put you in check with this. There's, there's an issue in your life. You're, you're not living out the way that you should. This is what the Bible says you should be doing and this is what you're doing and these two things don't match up and you, you take this to them out of love. It's grating. The way that you sharpen metal is with a harder, more abrasive metal. The way that you sharpen iron is you take it to a grinder and you stick that to the grinder and it grinds off metal and sharpens it and does exactly what it needs to do, but it hurts. It's challenging. If there's any of you guys that have ever been tradesmen or, or anything worked, in the, worked with metal at all, if you stick that, that piece of metal to the grinder, it also throws off hot shards and stuff. I mean, like... I. I was working on a piece of metal and it was throwing hot bits all over my arm and it, was, it hurts. <laughs> After you're done, it's like, oh man, it burns. It's like, now I've got kind of pansy arms, so some of you guys are like, <laughs> it doesn't bug me any, but you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's a challenging process, but it's, it's part of being the body of Christ. It's part of, though we are many, we are one body together, we are drawn together, we operate together, and we encourage and love each other and we challenge each other in godly and loving fashions. We're going to be back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we're going to go back up to verse 4. It says, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of the common good. For... To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, uh, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all of these empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we step into point number two. We each have our role in the body of Christ. We each have our role in the body of Christ. Now, though we each operate as individuals in the body of Christ, we're still doing it through the same spirit, the many members, those many things, through the same spirit. Though you have this whole list of this is what you could be doing or that could be what you're doing and these are the, the things that the Lord has given you to do. We still, as the many members, make up one. Now, I value my hand being attached to my body. If my hand is not attached to my body, it's a bad day. The, the members, all, I, I've got... I've got a pinky and I've got a foot. They're two very different members and they're about as far apart as you can get. But they're still part of the one body. They're still grouped together, though they have different functions. My, my hands are doing very different things than my feet are doing. My feet are keeping me from going on the floor and my hands are giving my feet a workout. Many members, one body. We each have our role in the body, however. Now, 
we're not just talking about you guys operating here at the church. Because there are people that have roles. I'm up here teaching. We have a whole group of men back there ushering. We have a video guy in the next door, in the next room, that's recording the service to send out to uh, television, broadcasting and all that kind of stuff, and, and play it there. We have children's ministry. We have people that are doing all kinds of stuff all throughout the church. Those are all valuable parts of ministry. And those you guys might be a part of in other services. But there are further reaches in the body than just that. What about your workplace? I don't have the freedom, the liberty to go to your workplace. You, however, have been placed there. And so that's where part of the body goes. That might very well be part of your mission field. You might have an actual mission field. And these, all of these are reaches and parts of the body that operate in different functions. You go to work, you're on mission. You might actually have a mission field. We talked about doing the Ronald McDonald House where it's not part of our job. However, it's a mission field that we want to be part of. Or it might be you want to work with Alternative, Alternatives Women's Center and you go and join and lock arms with them and serve and operate in the mission field that they operate in. That's another part and member of the body, another way that we operate as members in the body. It might be clubs or sports that you're part of. I know a guy that he loved to play frisbee golf, which I call frolf, and I don't, I, I don't know if that's what it's called or not, but one way or another, he likes to play the sport. He does it just independently. He goes out to parks, and what he'll do is he'll bring his bag out there, he'll find a crew that has three and wouldn't mind a fourth, and he'll play a round of 18 with them. Now, what he does is while he's out there, he's decided that, yeah, this is my exercise. This is my time to kind of relax and, and get away from work. And, you know, he works in an office. And so he um, goes out and he finds this outdoor place where he can be with people. But as he's out there, he develops a relationship, starts talking with them, hangs out with them over the course of 18 holes. And by the time he gets finished, He's developed a relationship with them and his desire, his goal is to minister to them and share the love of Christ with them. Another reach in the body of Christ. All of these things are valuable members in the body of Christ. All of these things are ways that the Lord has placed you and put you and, and the things, these are the things that he's given you to operate in and to be his body. I began to consider also what the role of the church is here, why, why we come to a building and then disperse and, and what, what the point of all of that is. And a little bit of my schooling kind of came into play as I considered that. And, and I thought, you know, the church makes me think of a heart. Now the heart has one function and does basically two things with that. And we're not gonna get real technical here. Basically, you have a left heart and you have a right heart. You have a left side, right side. The left side pumps blood out to the body. Takes, it gets blood in from the lungs that's oxygenated, that's got all the good stuff, pumps it out to the body. Every far-reaching part of the body. The blood then drops the oxygen, the nutrients, the things that are good, and then the body puts back in CO2 and other things that doesn't belong there, toxins, garbage, blah, blah, blah. Sends it back over, it goes to the right heart. The right heart then sends it to the lungs. The lungs takes that garbage and that CO2 and the things that your body doesn't need and reintroduces oxygen 
and other things that your body needs. And the process starts over again. It goes back to the left heart, boom, back to the right heart. It's just a pumping station. The heart does not give the oxygenation. The heart just pumps in and out. So you guys come here week in, week out. You hear teaching, we preach, we disciple, we send out. This is a left heart action. You guys come in, Miles has been praying over his message and I, I, I see him regularly in his office praying over, pouring over the word so that he can stand here before you guys and give you something that the Lord has really shared with him. It's life. It's life being breathed into you guys. It's a left heart action because what he's doing is he's giving you what the Lord has given him and, and is just basically going, here you go, and then sends you guys back out and you guys go out to the far reaches, wherever that might be, your work, your clubs, what, wherever the Lord has placed you. You pour out everything that you've received from the Lord. You're operating and sharing exactly what the world needs. You're, you're pouring out light and salt and goodness to the world. And a lot of times you guys come back and it's like, man, oh, and you plop down in the chair and it's like, it's been a long week. And you come forward and we get a chance to pray for you. Man, I've, just, I've had this really long week and I sat down with somebody and they lost their wife and oh, man, it was, just, it was brutal. You know, I, I sat with them for like two hours after, after work and, and we, I prayed for them and, and they're doing better but you know, still going through it with them. And we get to pray for you. That, that burden, that, that thing that you've been carrying for the week, you get to lay at the feet of the Lord. And we can help you and, and work with you and give you biblical counseling in that. And it's getting the garbage, the, the stuff that you're carrying on your back, laying it down, refreshing, and then going back out. This is a pumping station. I hope that doesn't sound crass <laughs> or weird. You come in, drop off the garbage, drop off the weak, get renewed, refilled, and then they're sent back out. Verse 14. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, and Greek, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink one spirit. That wasn't 14. This is 14. For the body does not consist of one members, of one member, but of many. And I want to look again to the body as an example. So this may be a little bit more something that happens to me more often, but have you guys ever, out of the corner of your eye, seen something coming towards you, careening towards your face, and you just, like, it's just out of the corner of your eye, and you're like, oh. Now, junior high pastor, so that happens to me rather frequently. <laughs> but you get something that comes at you, and the way that your body reacts, it doesn't just go, and, and just kind of brace for impact. What, what normally happens is, if you have enough time, you see something coming at you, and you instantly look, your eyes send signal to your brain, your brain sends out the call, come help, your hands come up, your torso twists back, your legs and feet engage and start to get ready for impact, and as that all happens, that's all happening, you know, I'm showing in the slow motion, but it's all, and boom, it hits, and you brace, and you notice something, it's not just the eye that's like, no, and you break. Your whole body comes together and operates as a body to defend. 
the hands work with the eye, that works with the torso, that works with the feet, that works with the legs. All things are coming together to brace for impact. The body is defending itself. That's the body, though many members, though fingers, toes, separate members, they are working together as one. The same thing, as I, as I thought about this whole imagery or whatever, I started thinking the offensive as well because we fight a spiritual battle. Now, we don't fight a battle of flesh and blood. We, battle, we fight a battle of principalities and powers of the and all that kind of stuff. But, again, thinking in terms of that example of the body. If you've ever seen a boxer throw a punch, it's a, it's a skill. It's, it's a masterful skill. You see, the, the arm doesn't just go out and go and, and kind of sloppily swing forward. When a boxer throws a punch and lands a good one, the whole body is engaged. It's not just an arm. It's the arm that starts and the torso again twists, the legs coming into it, the eyes lock on, the breathing steadies, and, and you see this boom. And when you see something like that, like that in slow motion, you see all of the members of the body operating, though many, as one. Same thing with the defense. We as a body, though many, operate as one, defending one another and going on the offense in the name of the Lord. Again, not fighting physical battles, but taking the gospel out and fighting the spiritual war that we've been given. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If you don't do your role in the body of Christ, if, if the hand decides, you know what? I'm not a foot. I'm out. I'm done. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be part of the body anymore. If the hand decides that, that same thing that's careening towards your face, your eyes are going, I don't care if you're not a foot. Do your job. I need your help. And if the hand decides, I'm not going to do my job, you get hit in the face. And that's not fun. I can tell you from firsthand experience. Just because... Just because you're not a pastor or just because you're not somebody that seems more important or somebody that you would look at and go, oh, look at what they do. It doesn't mean that your, body, your, your role in the body isn't vital, isn't critical. You look at what the eye does and you go, oh, wow, look at, look at the eye and all that it does. Well, the eye is kind of useless if it gets injured. <laughs> Going back to the people at your workplace, I don't have the freedom to walk into your workplace. If you work at Jack in the Box or if you work in a Publix Works or if you work in a hospital, I don't have the freedom to walk in and say, hey guys, I want to tell you all about Jesus today. I come behind the counter and at, at a Jack in the Box or you know, some kind of fast food, the manager is going to be coming out saying, get out from behind the counter. You're not health certified. You can't be here. You need to go. And even if I stand in front of the counter and start talking to the person at the, at the register 
say, are, are you going to order? I said, no, give me 20 minutes and then I'll order. I want to tell you all about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's like, I, I appreciate that you care about my soul and, and everything, but I've got 20 people behind you and I need to start pushing burgers. So if you could just like order and get out of the way. I don't have the freedom to do that. Same thing with locked doors. I mean, some of you guys work in hospitals, back, back areas that I, I don't have the access to. But you do. And so you work hard, you put in your hours, your boss is happy with you, you sit down in your 10-minute break, and the person, one of your coworkers, sits across from you, and you can see that they got tears in the corners of their eyes, and you're going, are, are you okay? So you know, I've had a really rough week. And they start pouring something out, and you go, hang on, stop. Let me get my pastor on the phone. That's not our job. You, the body... You've been placed there by the Lord. The Lord has given you that task. You are now the pastor that's overseeing this situation. You are the one that gets to say, I'm really sorry all that's happening. Can I pray for you? That is a critical role, a vital role in the body. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. How many of you guys today have thought about your aortic valve? What about your coronary sinus? Yeah. Most people don't because they're relatively obscure parts of your body. However, every single one of you guys are using them right now. And even if it's malfunctioned at some point, you have an artificial one in there that is functioning right now and keeping you alive. You see, the aortic valve, going back to the left heart, the one that pumps out all the blood to the body, the aortic valve is the, is the valve that stops the blood from going backwards into the heart. Because if that didn't exist, what you would have is the blood would go out and then it'd come back in and then it'd go back out and then it'd come back in and it goes nowhere. And so you're not getting a functional system. The, blood, the heart pumps and then as it starts to reverse, the valve closes and the pressure keeps things going. And then the heart pumps again, and then the heart pumps again, and it stops it from coming back. Well, that's the function of your aortic valve. One of my professors, he was sitting down at lunch with a few engineers, and the aortic valve came up for some reason. This is their lunchtime conversation. And the engineers were looking at the pressures that the aortic valve was stopping. And as they looked at those pressures, they're going, this doesn't make any sense with, with how small that valve is. And, and, you know, it's just a fleshy little valve. It's just nothing. It shouldn't be able to operate at the pressures and the capacities that it's operating at. They're saying this should be a failed system. Why is it, how is it that this works? Enter the coronary sinus. All the coronary sinus is, is basically a little cup-shaped 
area where the aortic valve flaps open, kind of hides away in there, and as the blood's rushing past, it just kind of does its thing, and then it closes. Now, your heart beats at anywhere over 60 beats a minute normally. Most of us in here are probably running like 70, 70 70-something beats a minute, even just sitting here. That's more than one beat a second. So if you think about that poor little valve, whack, 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 just back and forth. The coronary sinus, as your valve opens and then starts to shut, the coronary sinus creates this suction that's just enough to keep it from going boom, boom. It's a dampener. It opens, it creates a suction, so it goes boom and gently shuts. It, it locks in place, but it goes boom and then it takes the pressure off of the valve from getting slammed shut. If that didn't operate, our, none of us in here would be alive still. It would fail after like 15 years or something like that. I forget the exact number. But it, it's part of what helps our body to operate. Now, you could say, well, I have no need of you. You do. None of us in here thought about the coronary, coronary sinus. None of us in here thought, well, that's an important member. If you, had talked, if you heard it on the street, you'd kind of go, I don't know what they're talking about. But it's part of your body that helps your body run fully and operationally. And if it failed, the whole body would fail. For one member to say, I have no need of you, is dangerous. Our bodies are intricate. They, they operate all as one and they do best when they do just that. 1 Corinthians, uh, again back in chapter 12, 24b, but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The colon. Not a dignified part of the body. I will not be going into the processes of what it does. However, it is a part of our body that if it's not running properly, though not a part that's honored and not a part that's normally talked about on this platform, when it's not running properly, our whole body knows it. Your whole body is in agony if that one part isn't working. And so by its very job, by the part that this body part plays, it receives honor because of the job that it does. It is considered a dishonorable part, but it is given honor by the job that it does. Which... I get sounds kind of, kind of like a weird point, but the Lord gives honor even to those that seem dishonorable so that there be no division in the body. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Point number three on your outline, God hates division among his body. God hates division among his body. God doesn't say he hates things very often. And so when he does, I, I like to make sure that I'm listening and being very careful to not do those things. 
Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger. With perverted heart, he devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. I'd like to point out first the imagery that this proverb writer uses. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes with their lungs, out lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. This is a body that is dysfunctional. It is in discord. Now, why does it matter? Why, does it, why is it that God hates discord among the brothers? There's something that you guys have probably heard of generally. It's called ischemia in the body. Now, the terms that we typically use for that are heart attack, stroke, uh, leg uh, arterial disease, uh, pulmonary embolus. You, you've probably heard at least some of those terms. All of those things, what they are is division, holding blood from getting to a member of the body. And what that does is it clots, it divides, it keeps from healthy things getting to where it needs to be. And the reason that it's so destructive is because it kills tissue. I've done a lot of cardiac scans where they've had a heart attack and you go in there and you do the scan to see what part of the heart wall has died after a heart attack. And you see what part is functioning. And some people's heart can go down in ejection fraction. They can, they can be pushing 50 to 75% less blood after a heart attack, which is huge. And it's because of a blockage, a division from the things that the body needs getting to the part that needs it. That's what division is in the body of Christ. You need something, you're divided, you're, you're getting stuck in the middle of a bunch of stuff and you're blocked, you're, you're stuck. That member is not receiving what it needs. Christ died for his church. It's understandable that he would hate for it to be destroyed, especially from within. Ischemia, division, means death to a member. That's never a good thing. So how do we avoid divisiveness? Colossians 3.12 through 15, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. And then Romans uh, 12, nine through 21, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another, uh, love 
Yeah, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then I'm going to skip to the end where it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's not just how we avoid division. That's how we are called to live as a body. This whole thing, if you're sitting there going, okay, I kind of know my role, but what do I do in the body of Christ? That's it right there. That's a couple of verses, handful of verses that line it up for you. Colossians 3, 12 through 15, Romans 9, uh, 12, 9 through 21. Those are just listing out. Here's how to live a life with the body of Christ. Why are we talking about being a body today? It's because we're taking communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 to 17 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one bread. And so I'd like to invite the ushers and the worship team to come on up because we're going to be passing out the elements pretty soon here. And as we take communion today, we want to remember Jesus. Remember his life, his death, his resurrection. We remember that he died for our sins, that he died for us to be united as one body. It's by him that we are here today and it's by him that we have the privilege of being able to take communion. And so I would invite you to come with us as we go before the Lord and sing praises to him.